Join the conversation. Join the conversation. You're with Cape Talk. Welcome to another episode of Longer with Lester. It's one of those shows where, because we have so little time, live on radio, to you know unpack some of the good interviews. This is the opportunity we have to interview some of the countries, the cities, and the world's most interesting people. Joining me today is a public relations mogul, Rachel Irvine. She is the CEO of Irvine Partners. It's a company started here in Cape Town, now spans in various countries around the world. In fact, this year, the company notes its 10th anniversary and expansion during lockdown. You know, plenty of industries, plenty of economies around the world now grappling with a, a shrinking economy. How do you even grow a business, hire more people during this town or time of lockdown, not only in South Africa, but also in the UK, Europe, Nigeria, where Irvine Partners now have offices. Joining me now, founder of, uh, of Irvine Partners, Rachel Irvine. She joins me on the line now. Rachel, thanks so much for coming on air with us, for coming and talking to us on on, uh, on Longer with Lester. Have you always had the public relations, you know, heart, blood plumping through your body? Hey, Lester, thank you for um, an incredible introduction. I'm not sure I can live up to it. But the short answer to your question is no. I started my career as a journalist. Um, in fact, in the Prime Media Stable, I started my career as a newsreader for Radio KFM, or Radio Contre, as it was known back in the day, um, and then went on to ETV. And just over the years, I worked in London, I worked for, for Sky Television in London, uh, and over the years, I guess it I just kind of it's evolved into, my career has evolved into the public relations industry. So I, I didn't start necessarily with a passion for PR. I think, I think more correctly, I started with a passion to communicate. You have a, a really great uh, social media little, you know, info, little descriptor of yours. You say that you left journalism to, uh, to one day afford to buy shoes. So you're saying that there's hope for me one day. Yes, so I think what you're what you're referring to is is my description on Twitter that says a journalist who sold her integrity for a good pair of shoes to PR. Um, so certainly, yes, public relations does pay more than journalism. So Lester, if you're after a good pair of shoes, I can highly recommend a career in public relations. Are you interested? <laughs> we'll we'll talk after after the recording, but <laughs> but. If, if we're judging, look, I, there is a, an ongoing, equally symbiotic, but also adversarial relationship between communicators, PR, and 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 and, and journalism, journalists. Um, it is a relationship that helps. That also, at the same time, it also is a is a, a relationship where one side tries to pro- protect their client how have you found you know being on both sides of of this this media communication spectrum in one hand being a journalist trying to get that person to comment or at least just give you a line whereas on the other side nowadays you're trying to protect the interest of a client 
journalists who don't readily accept the messages that are, are, are pushed at them by PRs are very necessary to ensuring that the information that is disclosed, that is shared in, in the public domain is true, is relevant, um, and dare I say it, you know, benefits the greater good. So we need journalists to act as the gatekeepers, absolutely, as, as PRs and as communication experts. We are hired to publicly position the best foot forward of a company and a company's news or, or whatever a company's plans are. But the media act as a check and balance. You know, one of the things I love to say to my clients, if the only two people in the world who care about your news are you and your mother, why on earth do you expect the media to care about it? So I think I think journalists perform an, an absolutely vital service in being a little bit mean to us PRs on occasion. And at the end of the day, is it all about the sell? Is it all about the brand? Is it all about the marketing? Look, we can we can talk about the benevolence of a CSI budget that a company may have. But at the end of the day, if your job is to ensure that your client is best portrayed in the media, is it all about creating money at the end of the day for them? And at the end of the day, for you to retain these services, which means you also get a bit of money at the end of the day. So in, in my line of work, I often come across people who say, so what do you do for a living? What is PR? And the simplest analogy I can I can form is that public relations is like friendship. The first time I meet, I meet you, I may really, really like you. I will not loan you 10,000 rand. However, if you and I develop a relationship, I know who you are, I know what your values are, I know what you stand for, I do. I know everything about you. At the point that we have that relationship of trust, and I know what you're up to, and you come to me and say, may I have 10,000 rand? I have that comfort to loan you 10,000 rand. If you then go away for 10 years and come back and say, hey, remember me? We used to be friends. Please loan me 10,000 rand. I would have to say no again, because where have you been for the last 10 years? So, so that is really the role and the function of, of PR. It's about your good name. It's about your standing in your community, whatever your community may be. It's a business community. It's uh, a community of peers uh, or even just wider society. Mm. It's about communicating who you are, what you are, but more importantly, what you do. Because, you know, people often talk about public relations as being the art of spin. And, and I think at Irvine Partners, one of the things that we actively encourage clients not to do is spin. We always say, talk about what you've done, because actions really do speak louder than words. And I, I think we've definitely seen that this year, uh, the year of pandemic. Whether we're talking about, you know, advertising and drawing attention to the newly opened corner store or whether it is the impact of PR and campaigns to influence elections. The the industry of public relations and communication have all been tainted with with a brush of, of, of Bell Pottinger. 
and and the like. I'm I'm not saying that you're involved in in overthrowing democratically elected governments around the world, but I'm saying is that a, across Maybe next year across part of your KPAs then, but but across the industry, you you are, you are tarred with a brush of of, of that Bal Pottinger esque um, manipulation of of, of 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 the public. Just your thoughts on that. So I, I think there are certain professions that, that, that do kind of end up with these sort of almost Hollywood-like portrayals. And I think PR is one of those. And, you know, there's, there's uh, popular television shows like The Fixer. Um, but having said that, yes, Bell Pottinger did happen. Um, and, and we can't ignore the fact that Bell Pottinger happened. But I think it is the exception rather than the rule. And, you know, we love we love to feast on, on the baddies in any industry. But I, I do, I, I'm proud to be a communicator. I'm proud to represent the public relations industry at large, because I think in the main, um, this industry works really hard to portray companies in their best light, but not in an incorrect light. Does that make sense? It does make sense. There is a there is an overall truth to to what you do, and um, you're not a lawyer. You don't get sent out to lie for a customer. And there's a question: Would you go out and lie for a client? So, if this was the Zondo Commission, I guess I'd have to say <laughs> no. I that is one of the things at Irvine Partners that we have steadfastly from from day one said: we won't tell anyone's lies, we won't lie for absolutely anybody. And and the reason for that is it just doesn't make good business sense. Um, you know what? I remember as a child, every time I got into trouble for doing something, my mother would always say. Be sure the truth will find you out. And it is, it's it's a truism for all of life, whether you're five years old or 50 years old misbehaving, be sure the truth will find you out. So as, as a business, we won't cover up or spin or do anything untoward because even if a client doesn't have integrity, we do. Mm. And our good name means a lot to us. Now, you're also called in your 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 industry broadly is also called into to often do crisis communications for whether it be a giant corporate or whether it be for a a celebrity on on the skids that's also often your job to go dampen fires if there's a raging fire or pr publicity crisis you're often called in to 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 douse those flames what's your first rule when dealing with whether it be a corporate caught on the wrong side of social media, whether it is a, a private client who happens to have some fairly bad gossip, you know, landing in, 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 in the papers tomorrow. What's your first rule? So my first rule is put the fire out. Stop feeding the fire. And what that very often means is... You know, most most crisis comms is somebody somewhere has done something wrong, whether it's a company or an individual. And, and too often, when a situation explodes or unfolds, people want to get that last word. People want to retaliate. People want to do the yes, but no, but yes, but no, but. And and my job in that instance mostly is to protect my clients from themselves, to protect them from. That very human and very understandable desire to go, yes, but, yes, but, yes, but. At the point that something has exploded, 
you've got to put a line in the sand and either own up to the fact that you've made a misstep and what are you going to do to correct it. Um, stop explaining why you made the mistake, why people should understand or view you differently. It's draw that line in the sand, figure out what the restitution is, do right, make right, and move on. So the first rule of crisis comms is put the fire out. And welcome back to this episode of Longer with Lester. Today we are talking to the founder of PR company Irvine Partners, Rachel Irvine. She talks to us today in the company's 10th year of existence. Well, who expands a company during this time of pandemic? And not only expand the company, but expand the country in different continents. The uh, company Irvine Partners has extended their business to the UK, Europe, also increasingly growing their presence in the continent of, of Africa. It is an ailing economy, not just in South Africa, but worldwide. So who goes about doing that? Well, Rachel Irvine, you did that. You've managed to expand businesses, expand your footprint, expand your client base, not only in South Africa, but also around the world. And during this time of pandemic, just what was that like? Scary is the first word that comes to mind. I mean, our, our business was certainly impacted uh, by COVID, like everyone else's. Um, and I remember in particular the nine days in March, as, as, as we as a company now refer to them, we lost a client every every single day for nine days uh, when, when COVID was hitting here in South Africa. At the time, I was actually in the UK because we've been working informally in the UK for about two years. So I kind of had a sense because COVID hit the UK before it hit South Africa. Um, so I had a sense of what was coming and yet still I was completely taken uh, aback and unawares by the nine days in March. Um, and we stabilized, we stabilized really quickly and we picked up more clients. But I realized then, even even as the, the word pivot was starting to become um, a watchword for everybody, I understood how many businesses within South Africa would start to look to exploit other markets. And because we had been working informally, as I said, in the UK for a while, I figured, right, now's the time, bite the bullet. I mean, what is, what is the uh, investment advice that um, Berkshire Hathaway always give? Uh, when the sun is shining, buy umbrellas. So I decided to buy umbrellas, I guess. So we opened a fully staffed office in uh, in London, hired people. Um, and I, I have to tell you, as a South African, when you do the conversions pound to rand of salaries, I, mm. if I didn't have gray hair before, I certainly didn't <laughs> now, um, it's, it was a scary leap of faith to take. But it has absolutely born fruit for us. We realized that there was a number, especially in the venture capital, private equity and technology space, um, a number of entities uh, in South Africa that were wanting to expand into the UK and European markets. Uh, and so we've effectively given them a conduit to launch because we understand their culture, we understand 
where they started really. So we understand how to position them in the UK and, and European markets. But what was very surprising to us was uh, once we announced that we had opened uh, our office in London, because we're also in South Africa, in Kenya and Nigeria, so hence having a pan-African offering, what was really surprising to us is the number of um, international and UK companies who said, hey, we're really keen on doing work in Africa. Could you take us there? So it, it's uh, two-way traffic, really, which is ideal. Uh, so we're delighted and um, feeling a little less faint about those UK pound salaries. Now, let's not let's not beat around the bush. It, this pandemic has caught everyone of God in how we do our job, how we conduct our economy. Heck, we had journalists scratching their head of how do we confront this by keeping safe and also providing news and, and filling programming in a in a time where not much was happening. So what was in the lesson for you, particularly when clients you're expecting you know to do business with and, and and do campaigns with all of a sudden have nothing to offer because people are all indoors that there is no no necessary social gathering that uh, uh, many people are going to online platforms to get the the message across or people tailor you know what they get to see to to, to suit their needs how did it affect your particularly way of doing business and how it affects the industry? One of the things I like to say about airline partners is that we're long-term greedy. And what I mean by that is I want my clients' money today, tomorrow, and the day after that. And part of being long-term greedy is sometimes acting against your own self-interest. And I think certainly the counsel and advice that we gave to a number of in the early days of, of the pandemic was, was counter to our own self-interest. But um, because I, I'm a firm believer that you only announce something when you've got something to say. If you've got nothing to say, mm. then keep quiet. Be still. Um, and certainly I think we saw a proliferation from many corporates of what I like to euphemistically term thoughts and prayers kind of emails and press releases and communications in the early days of COVID, you know, the we're all in it together message. Um, but that message is, is flaky and meaningless unless it is backed up by action. Mm. So we actually advised a lot of our clients not to do anything, not to say anything, because they wanted to put out that kind of messaging so that they didn't disappear from they didn't disappear from from the spotlight or, or from public view mm. uh, but we firmly believe that unless there is action to back up claims it'll it'll come back to bite you on mm. the bum like, so we advised a number of clients don't spend money until you're comfortable but don't don't just fill up airtime and space with meaningless words like i don't want to hear anything from my bank unless they're going to tell me well here's a six-month interest-free loan holiday I don't need your I need, don't need your thoughts and prayers. <laughs> Give me a, a, a six-month interest-free loan holiday, and and then we can talk. I I completely agree, and and I think one of the biggest issues that we've had over the the past number of years, and, and I suppose it's the proliferation of social media, is brands want to be personalities and want to be part of our lives, but the unpalatable truth. 
bank is never going to be your best friend. Mm. Your bank needs to be your bank. You've got enough friends. Uh, your pharmacist needs to be your pharmacist. You've got enough friends. And, and you know, that can uh, proliferate across any industry sector that, that you care to name. And I, I think a number of brands have fallen into this almost trap of thinking that they, you know, we talk about brands needing to be human. People need to be human. Brands need to be accountable. Um, and I think communicators need to understand the difference. And we've seen that over the last few years in our particularly brands through the social media accounts have got into trouble. You know, social media seen as the the millennials or the zennials domain. Brands trying to be hip all of a sudden finding themselves on the last on the on the wrong side of a very fickle social media, you know, universe. And the point that I'm getting across is that when giving people giving jobs to people to manage your social media accounts, it's it's almost tricky. It's like you need someone who needs to be an expert communicator, but also at the same time this person needing a master's in in, in media law to to navigate the the, the the tricky playing field. A platform like social media is not there for for a junior staffer. Absolutely not. Uh, and also, we live in a time where cancel culture is absolutely real. Uh, problem with social media is the division of the generations. Those who have the business experience, the life experience, and the general nouns typically don't spend that much time on social media. They're not digital natives, whereas our you know, Generation X, Generation Z, they are digital natives, but there's still some life lessons that need to be learned. So I think the answer there really is uh, is a blending of skills and more companies need to make sure that the oldies don't get to don't get to skip out on social media accountability because they're not comfortable with it or because they don't understand it. So people of my generation, I turned 44 uh, last week. Um, we we need to get down with the Snapchat filters. <laughs> Three African countries, office in in Europe, in London. It seems as if the world is your oyster. Right, in Berlin. <laughs> in Berlin as well. Um, you, where yeah. to next? Uh, how far do you want a, a, a Cape Town-born and based PR company to grow to? Where to from here? That's a million dollar question. And, and almost afraid to answer in 2020 that internet meme that said um, everybody got the where do you see yourself in five years from now question wrong in relation to 2020. But I think this being our, our 10th year of operation uh, and having opened in the UK and, and we're already we're expanding in the UK. We hired a, a few people six months ago and, and we're already hiring more. I'm excited by the, the size of the opportunity. I'm, I'm excited by the reception that South African companies and, and businesses are getting in the UK and the European market. So I want to take more South African companies international. Um, I think we, through trial and error, have we've learned a lot of really valuable lessons about how to take South African companies and demonstrate and prove their value on the international stage. I think sometimes we can be a bit down on ourselves in, as South Africans and 
we have world-class products, we have world-class services. So I'm happy to be the chick that beats the drum for us, that beats the drum on the international stage for just what it is that South African business is capable of. On capetalk.co.za On the app On DSTV channel 885 And across the city on 567am Join the conversation This is Cape Talk This is Cape Talk